Hello, and welcome back to the Ebb and Flow podcast. Over the next six weeks, I'll be sharing videos on the topics of holistic health and Hasidic wisdom that I've been doing with the renowned author, counselor, lecturer, and philosopher, Rabbi Manis Friedman. A year ago, Rabbi Manis Friedman was a guest on my podcast, episode number 53, where we discussed his first book published back in 1990, Doesn't Anybody Blush Anymore? The episode is entitled, Modesty, Intimacy, Sex, and Getting Things Out of the Way. Shortly after, I had the joy to meet him for dinner, where we first thought about the series, so it excites me to begin to finally share these with you in hope that you receive valuable and personable insights on your own health and wellness journey. Here's also a gentle reminder that if you're new to this show, or if you haven't seen it yet, a great place to start is the recent YouTube video or podcast trailer entitled Ebb and Flow, Holistic Hasidic Health. In that video or audio, you will hear all about this new season, who's it for, my newsletter that comes out every Friday, and my coaching services. Please leave a review about the show and today's guest on Apple Podcasts and head over to SolomonEzra.com or follow me on Instagram at King underscore Solomon8 and Facebook Solomon Ezra Berezin to learn more. Make sure to do something actionable with your learnings and be sure to let us know all about it via message or social media. The topic for today's segment is living a fluid, not a rigid Jewish lifestyle. So how do we approach, what's the approach to and purpose of mitzvahs? As you know, uh, and this one is, resonates with me and my own growth into Yiddishkeit and the passion with it, uh, because often I think a lot of those that grew up in uh, not an Orthodox or Chabad way, we look at Orthodox Judaism as just a lot of rules and, you know, dry and just not so spiritual on the surface. Uh, but as I'd gone and experienced in my own uh, journey and with meditation as well, the, the beauty and the passion and the color within Judaism and how to really approach, how to approach it. So it's not rigid and it's just like, okay, I got to do this mitzvah. I got to do this. I got to put down to fill in between this time and, oh, I can't do this kind of stuff. But really what's the, the healthy approach, you know, going along the theme of our uh, series so far, this is the fourth video to really where it's, you know, it's not a restriction, but it's so much more of a, an expression of who you are and that approach of that healthy approach to, I get to put on tefillin right now. Oh, I get, I get to experience Shabbos. Um, and also to touch a little bit on the, you know, when we, we can understand intellectually, okay, I want, I want my experience with Judaism to be more of that way. And it's important to comment on the, the process of change because it's not always just an, an instant switch. There is a little bit of that uh, discomfort going from however we'd learned something or been practicing something for however long into however we want to make it. If I come to you and I say, you can make your life better. You can improve your existence. You can have a better future if you follow these rules, whatever they are. What are the pitfalls? What, what, are, what are the negative, possible negative reactions to that assumption, to that assertion? If you do this, your life will be better. Well, number one, I'm not interested. I really don't care. My life is fine. If it'll get better, okay. If it doesn't, I'm okay. So your message never goes anywhere. It never takes off. You're telling me how to make my life better. I'm not interested. Thank you very much. Second thing is, I tried it and my life didn't get better. So you misled me and I'm frustrated and I'm angry 
And I don't want to hear any more about it. The third is, I took your advice, I did it, and my life is much better. In fact, I am so good. I must be some kind of tzaddik. Those are the three pitfalls, the three possible uh, negative results. Now let's try a different approach. God who created you needs you to do certain things. Can you, uh, can you make yourself available and do these things for him? Let's see what kind of possible negative reaction that might get. You can't have the reaction, no thanks. No thanks? God is asking for a favor. What do you mean, no thanks? So you can't say, I'm not interested. The question is not whether you're interested. God is interested. What's your reaction? The second thing, I tried it and it doesn't work. What do you mean it doesn't work? When you do a mitzvah, God gets what he needs. Works. Number three, I did it and now I'm perfect. It was never about me. So the only one negative possible reaction is, if he needs it, why should I do it? I got my own problems. So let's examine this a little more. What, what is a stronger motivator? My personal benefit or my ability to serve a, a bigger, a larger cause? If you tell me that it's for my benefit, It's, it seems like that would be more motivating. I mean, it's me. It's personal. It's my life. I'm going to get better. My marriage will be better. I'll raise my children better. So it sounds like a much stronger motivation. You always have to show what's in it for me. Because why would I be excited about something that has nothing in it for me? On the other hand, there's this great appeal and motivation to do something bigger, larger, not about me. Like people who join causes and will give away everything for the benefit of the cause. Now, both are strong motivators. When you make something personal, of course, it becomes much more compelling. On the other hand, being part of something bigger than me and getting caught up in the nobility of a cause, wow, that's a powerful motivator. But here's the difference. If I am motivated by self-interest because there's something in I will be motivated, I will be inspired, I will be moved to, to do whatever I need to do, but it'll be very limited because I'm doing it for my benefit. If it starts costing too much and becomes a little too expensive, well, my own benefit now dictates that I shouldn't do it. So sooner or later, I'm going to run into a conflict of interest. If I'm doing it for my benefit, I'm constantly weighing and measuring to see if it's really for my benefit or it's getting too expensive or taking up too much time or too much energy. If I'm excited and motivated by a nobility, by a cause, 
there's no limit. I don't, I don't measure it against my own comfort level or financial capacity. There's no limit. It's, in a sense, infinite. The other big, big difference, if I do it for my self-interest, I may benefit immensely with no negative side whatsoever. But for some reason, I can't get my kids to do it. My kids will say, well, that's great for you. I see you really enjoy it and you're benefiting from it. Wonderful. Keep doing it. But leave me alone. I'm not interested. Whereas if you're doing something that is noble and, and idealistic and you're really into it, it becomes contagious. It inspires others, mm -hmm. including your own kids. And they'll want to be part of it. They'll yeah, want to not only do what you do, but do it better. I want to outdo you in this, in this idealistic, noble thing. So in which case are you feeling um, a little claustrophobic? Only if you're doing it for your own benefit. So how does that... One, when, like uh, in previous times, we also spoke about, spoke about, you know, how we're approaching the food that we eat. The same could be with, uh, you know, performing mitzvahs. Because if we're just doing it like, oh, per perhaps it could even, it, well, it could be a misunderstanding. But if we're just doing it because it's a commandment and we haven't really looked into the positive what that what what commandment could really mean or does really mean it could become a dry and rote mechanic thing okay i do this at this time because it's it's for a purpose that's greater for me but it doesn't really turn someone on where they're really like into it because that's what inspires somebody because you can also see somebody that puts it on every day but they they it looks dry. It looks like they're just doing it out of obligation in the negative sense, because obligation, I also read, couldn't be, you know, obligation means you're doing it for someone else. It's not about you, like you just commented on. Um, but it's not just about the doing. Like what is the, um, the Arizal says, you know, a, a mitzvah without intention is like a body without a soul. Well, again, the intention or the motivation or the kavana could be self-improvement, benefits to myself, or devotion to a cause. If the motivation and the kavana, which, which does animate the behavior, at least for a while, mm -hmm. but it'll reach, it'll reach a... a It'll reach a plateau where I'm no longer so uh, motivated or desperate for self-improvement. I'm fine. Now I'll continue doing it, but it's just dry uh, mechanical behavior. That doesn't happen if, if your kavana and your motivation is to serve. It never gets dull. It never gets um, less, less exciting. So again, if you're looking for self-improvement, you have a certain standard. You want to reach a certain level. And beyond that, um, you're not compelled. You're not convinced. Do I really need to be that good? I'm going to give that much of my free time for this project. It's good enough. I'm done. Devotion, like you say, is a very good word. 
but you can't be devoted to yourself. That's a trap. And you keep hearing this, it's just so disturbing. The importance of self-love. It's so decadent, it's so unholy, and it's so unhealthy. Why, well, but that may be a, a limited understanding of self-love because self-love is not selfish. Well, what is it? It's taking care of yourself, your own, your own, our own personal connection with God. It's looking after yourself after you have uh, after the things that you do, uh, taking care of your own health. That's self-love, but that's not negative. That's not selfish. Taking care of your health is very selfish. But that's not negative. Why not? Because you you are a literal piece of God. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Not, if it's about me, then it's not about God. And if it's about God, then it's not about me. But it's not so really a, either or. How so? Because caring for yourself truly is also caring for God. When you... Yeah. How is that? Because you it have... tells you to fast, I am careful, but you're hungry. So, so you know you trust how it uh, how it helps you and helps other mm -hmm. people and, and helps create a, uh, a dwelling for God in this world. When you fast, you're not thinking about uh, material things as much. Therefore, you're able to. There's no. There's less distractions. Therefore, you can really confront and look at the things that's. Um, you know, maybe somebody had been uh, keeping themselves from looking at or distracting themselves from, that's what that's, in a way, self-love. It could, it could be looked at as refraining. I, th I think I understand what you're saying. Being healthy is not selfish. No, neither self-love. I agree. Self-love is totally unnecessary. In other words, it's not necessary to love yourself in order to be healthy or to be careful about your health. How are you defining self-love? Self-love means taking your own welfare, your own success, your own well-being seriously. It's not necessary. Why not? If you take God seriously, you will stay healthy. Okay. So I think, I think it sounds like we're on the same page, but the way that you're, in which you're describing it is a little finer. No, I'm, I'm saying we, we shouldn't confuse the validity and the importance of being healthy with the obsession being healthy yeah of course so you don't need to love yourself you need to take care of yourself because that's what god wants even if you don't love yourself so instead of self-love self-care but but self-care as part of your kavana of serving god not as a personal need I don't know. So you so you can all of the self-love, the self-care, however somebody wants to describe it, is not just so you can be so the person can be, you know, at his greatest health and yada yada yada, but so that the person can fulfill his mission, you know, perform mitzvahs. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah. So maybe maybe this will make sense. I'm going to love myself so that I can love you more. That will never work. To the degree that I love myself, to that degree I love you less. Now, I may stay healthy and I may want to stay healthy because I want to take care of you. Couples do that. Husbands 
refuse to die because they have to take care of their wives. Wives refuse to get sick because they have to take care of their husbands. Right? That's beautiful. But that's because they've given away their self-love, not because they've strengthened their self-love. So it really doesn't make sense to say, the more you love yourself, the more you love others. No. You have a limited amount of love, and if you use it on yourself, you have less for others. In fact, the only reason you don't love others is because you love yourself, and your love has been used up. So this constant message, love yourself, validate yourself, be devoted to yourself, take care of yourself, look out for number one. Not only is it a bad message, it's completely unnecessary because that's what people do anyway, instinctively. <laughs> in more, fact, in survival, it, more involved in the, more in the survival way, though. Like I think what those messages saying, like when you love yourself and you really learn to, you see, I see that, you know, Rabbi Manus, I am no different than Rabbi Manus Friedman. He is, you know, what, like we say the first, before we start davening, because in a sense, I am you and you are me. So if I'm loving myself, I'm, I'm also getting to the point that I realize that by loving others and or loving myself, I am, there's, there's no real difference. So it says in Tanya that that is true if you're talking about your godly soul. Which if you're true. loving your godly soul, then you're automatically also loving everybody else's godly soul because that's what we have in common. Mm -hmm. But if I love myself, meaning my human yeah. animal soul, uh, I got no love left for you. Well, that that's meaning that the part if I'm okay, now this is this is helped clarifying. So I'm loving myself, meaning the animal self, then the part of me that just wants to do do animalistic kind of behaviors, go get food, uh, uh, have relations, survive, even become become a scholar. Whatever is whatever is done for the pursuit of me. Of me. Mm -hmm. okay but if it's for the okay great i read this fascinating quote they attribute it to mark twain and it goes against every message we receive these days he says and this is literally a rewrite every day do something you don't enjoy it'll help you develop discipline Today, all you hear in all these messages is, every day, do something you really enjoy. <laughs> and the problem with that message is, I always do what I enjoy. I don't need you to tell me to do that. <laughs> every moment I'm choosing what I enjoy well, I versus think what that I don't the, I think this is where getting at a tough, uh, you know, the, the limit of, words though but like you were saying we do things we enjoy it's i think we just get caught up in with what's familiar it's not that we're doing something that we like enjoy but it's you know like like we were saying also we were talking about uh, the reasons why it's hard like i tried this it doesn't work because we're so stuck in our ways our habits that it's it's not you know, you'll hear people will all say, I've said it before myself, I'm just going to stick with this because it feels right. No, it doesn't feel right. It feels familiar. Yeah, and that feels good. Not right, just good. And that's, that's the... That's or easy, the, which is good. Not so it's all self-motivation. It's all me, me, me. I'll stick to my comfort zone. I'll do it my way. I don't want to change. Why? Because I like it. For whatever reason. I like being sick because I'm used to it. Yeah, exactly. It gets stuck with the... 
but I like it. There's no loss of self-love. I'm motivated by my pleasure, my comfort, my interest. And that should never be encouraged because it doesn't have to be. You know, you don't never have to tell a person when you're sleeping, be careful not to roll off the bed, you'll hurt yourself. No one needs to be told that. <laughs> so even when you're deep asleep and semi-conscious, you're still looking out for yourself and you will not roll off the bed. So it makes it sound like people don't love themselves and need to be trained and tutored and reminded to love themselves. <laughs> There's no one who doesn't love himself. Oh, there are people who take great pleasure in being miserable. That's kind of ironic, but... And you're including that in the self-love. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, there are people who, if you tell them that their life is okay and good, they get very upset. I I, this may be a great thing, but I don't think I've met somebody like that. No, they hate consolation. A person comes and says, I'm so sick, I'm so worried. And you say, no, it's not that bad. You say, well, what do you know? I'm very sick. No, not really. I hate you. <laughs> so even people who are committing suicide, which we really should talk about because it's becoming... It's just everywhere. I, I get one or two phone calls every day about somebody who committed suicide. Oh. So, well, you know, what in the world's going on? But even a person who commits suicide is looking after themselves. I'm not comfortable. I'm not happy. I don't like this life. So I quit. Is that not self-interest? People are hurting me. They're not going to hurt me anymore. I'm protecting myself. I'm going to kill myself. And then you're going to regret it. It's all self-interest. If only, you know, it's like halavai, you could find a person who is not consumed with self-love. And you're talking about a tzaddik. They still, a static still takes, has self-care. That's the difference, this, the split hair we made. Yeah, like you know, Hillel said when he went to eat, right? When Hillel went to eat, he said, I'm going to feed a hungry body. Nothing personal. Hmm. It's a mitzvah. If you were hungry, I'd feed you. So I'm hungry, I feed myself. <laughs> That is so liberated. How do we merge and apply taking that, you know, this real purpose of mitzvahs and how it's, it's for Hashem. We can have the self-care and differentiate the self-love, the self-love of the, the, the human love self and apply that to where we should strive for a, a Judaism and, and doing the mitzvahs with that fluidity, not to the rigid rigidity. So that's what I'm saying. The rigidity comes from self. Uh, if, really? you're, if you're free of self and serving others, there's no rigidity at all. Let me give you another example. Which is harsher or less forgiving, Christianity or Judaism? Less forgiving? I would think Christianity. Is less forgiving? Amanda. Christianity says if you just trust him and believe in him, you are forgiven for all your sins and you will be saved. 
And Judaism says, uh, you don't behave, you don't get. But it, but it also comments on if you, if you, um, you know, you can do teshuva and you'll get forgiven. You'll be well, forgiven. That's, that's a task. Doing teshuva is a job. And that's why they consider Christianity good news. Good news. You can get forgiveness and you can be forgiven without raising a finger. Just by accepting. Yep. But here's the difference. Christianity is all about you. You need to be saved. You're in trouble. You need help. You're dependent. You're born in sin. So it's all about your problem and its solution. So if you don't find the solution, you are a totally worthless, damned creature. In other words, pass, fail. <laughs> there's no gray, there's no in between. You're in or you're out. So yes, if you're forgiven or, or saved, beautiful but if you're not <laughs> you got nothing judaism says you can be partially forgiven you can be partially guilty you can do a more one mitzvah but not the other why, why is that because we're not judging you we're measuring what you accomplish for god so you may be the lowest of the low, the most corrupt individual, the ugliest person in the world. But if you got five minutes, can you do something for God? And if you do, wow. Well, that, you did something for God. And tomorrow, if you have five minutes, do something again. Or in different words, you didn't serve God yesterday? Okay, how about today? That doesn't happen in Christianity. You're either in or out. You're either a saint or damned. Why? Because it's a measure of you. If you must be a saint, but you had an unholy thought, that's it, you blew it. So you're saying in like for my own uh, growth, when when I was first, you know, putting on, not first putting on tefillin, because when I was first putting on tefillin, I was just, you know, saying the Shema. But when I really got into the prayers and the, the whole service, per se, it, some, it often felt rigid. And now it's become like, man, I, I just I enjoy it. And you're saying that growth, per se, has become not because I necessarily enjoy putting it on so much, as much as it's become less about me. And that's yeah, why so, I enjoy it. So I, I would, the first while that you were doing it, I would call it more awkward than rigid. It felt awkward. It was strange, it was, it was, it didn't fit the rest of your yeah, life. It, yeah, it, it kind of felt like it was getting in the way. And that's why it would be more selfish. Well, because I yes. also, but I also practice meditation in the morning. That's, I think for myself personally, that's why it maybe felt uh, like much. Here's, here's, I think, the, uh, the conundrum. The, the, the world or the, or the teachings of Musar, ethical um, demands, development, all of Musar, which is really all of religion, basically sends the message, you love yourself too much, stop it. Yeah. There's a Hayomium about that last week. Humble yourself. You're not that important. Don't be arrogant. 
If you love yourself, you're, you're, you're wicked, you're sinful, you're indulgent, you're evil. And there's some truth to that, but the method is not good. Hasidus says, you love yourself very much. Can you spread some of that around? Not stop loving yourself. Yeah. Take some of that love and share it. Well, that's when somebody who's really, who truly loves themselves and is whole, when we're whole and, and full of love, we, we share it outwards. There's no reason for anyone to hesitate. You have love, share it. Just like tzedakah, even a poor person is obligated to give tzedakah. Why? It's life-giving. So what are you waiting for? When you'll have extra cash that you don't need? <laughs> so to say you can't love anybody else until you have so much love that you don't even need it for yourself anymore. It's like your spare love you'll give away. No, give away some of your self-love. Which actually, Even if you have a little which actually makes somebody love themselves more. The, the, the better, like, the part that they should love. And, and it takes some of the uncomfortable self-awareness away. You stop being so self-conscious. Huh? Which, is, which is depressing. The constant worry. Am I? How do you, you love me now? You love me now? How about now? <laughs> I got to tell you this. It's, a, it's, it's, it's mind-boggling. This woman came to our program in Minnesota. There's a house full of women. She comes in and joins the group. I asked her whether she met one of those women that were already there in the group. Listen to this reaction. Tell me what you think. She says, yes, yeah, I met her. She loves me. Have you ever heard a reaction like that? <laughs> Not I love her. Yeah. <laughs> I met her and she loves me. I, 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 it took me a week to recover from that. <laughs> what in the world does that mean? What, what is that? Is that not narcissism in its full glory? <laughs> that person can't possibly be happy. You meet somebody and your first thought and only thought is, so you love me? <laughs> Whoa, relax. Now, that would be terrible, terrible. So, so, so you love me? Okay, who else? Who else? <laughs> who else is going to love me? Lighten up. So, what the Torah says is, human nature is such that you love yourself. The mitzvah is, give some of that love to others. It's tzedakah, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, but here's the mistake. Most people think that only rich people give tzedakah because they have money they don't need. In fact, they get very upset if rich people don't give tzedakah. Hey, come on, you got more money than you. <laughs> how, how dare you not give tzedakah when you got that much money? But that's not what tzedakah means. It doesn't mean give away your spare change. It means give away what you need because you're not the only one. So loving means take the love you have and you do have it and turn it outward. Yeah. And that's what real, that's what real self-love should be. Because when you, 
I think I'm going back just to to make sure because when I like there are some other you know people leaders that I will listen to and they talk about exactly that self-love isn't selfish but I think they're they're getting at what you're getting at the self-care because you know when you do truly love yourself the godly part of you and the and the service or it's 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 in alignment you go out and you do help for others because then you're you're not really loving yourself if you're just you know staying home not going outward helping others that that that's okay that sounds all right yeah but urging people to love themselves is barking up the wrong tree well the deaf like the definition really needs to be clarified yeah like so the message the message should be you know how you love yourself now see if you can apply that to others don't assume people don't love themselves yeah. it's a false assumption then there's another thing uh are we talking about self-love See, here's another quote from Mark Twain, which I think amazing, amazing. He said, the two most significant days in your life, mm -hmm. the day you're born and the day you figure out why. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, it is. <laughs> wow. That's the whole story in one little sentence. There's just one thing wrong or missing. If I were to meet Mark Twain and I would say to him, you know, I read your quote, you are brilliant. That is so amazing. The two most significant days of your life is the day you're born and the day you figure out why. I, ah, that's amazing. So why? He has no idea. <laughs> he has no idea nobody does let's use Christianity again as an example everything Christianity says is true right just for the sake of argument it's all true he'll save you he'll, he'll protect you he'll get you out of hell he'll take you into heaven okay can you tell me why I was born Nope. Nobody knows. <laughs> there is no answer to that question in Christianity or in Islam or in Buddhism. Like, for example, Buddhism says you have to achieve or attain nirvana, uh, enlightenment, so that you can stop being recycled. Okay, good idea. Can you tell me why I was born? Nope. <laughs> no, nothing. Nothing. Not even an attempt. The only place you're going to get an answer for why you were born is in the Torah. And that's why inevitably the world, everyone in the world is going to turn to the Torah because the question of why I was born is unavoidable. You can't ignore it. It's not going away. And if I can't figure out why I was born, then the day I was born is a disaster, not a blessing. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> so when I start loving other people, I feel more valid. Because that's, that's why I was born. And answering why I was born is very pleasurable. It's such a, I don't even know pleasure is the right word, but it is such a blessing to live your life knowing why you were born. There's, there's nothing greater than that. And it has nothing to do with self-love. On the contrary, Service. the why takes me out of my self-love 
self-service. Well, not self-service, but service. So it's really liberating. Well, so it sounds like I really like the approach that um, you helped me see as well with my own journey and hopefully other people listening that, you know, I, I came in with the question or the topic, you know, how do we live an authentic Jewish lifestyle with all its laws and mitzvot in a, in a fluid, in a fun in a enjoyable, exciting way where it's not, oh, I, I got to do this and or in, in a restrictive way by really transcending the, the self, looking at it as a, from a, a point of service, that's what actually makes it fun. That's what actually makes it fluid. When I'm, when I'm, too, when I'm looking at it all as self-love, then it becomes a restriction because it's, it's, then, then the the halachot become a a confinement, as opposed to if it's for service, it becomes as the Baal Shem Tov says, Hashem kol haaretz. It helps you sing how your best expression. Right. So to say it again in different words, if you're looking to improve yourself, if you're doing mitzvahs or dieting or jogging, or, or being careful you know, what you eat and wear a mask all the time, there's going to be a conflict because you're sacrificing one benefit for another. There's some friction there. It's grating. So it's good for me, but it's hard on me. I have to give up A in order to get B. And sometimes I don't think it's worth it. But if it's not about me, then there's no conflict. God wants me to fast on Yom Kippur. I want to eat on Yom Kippur. Okay, so there's me and there's him. Not a conflict in me. It's not like I want to eat, but I want to fast and I'm torturing myself. Like I want to diet, but I also want the cake. If it's me or him, yeah, then it's not a psychological dilemma. <laughs> no, but it's but what you're what you're getting at, or at least what I gather from it is when it's about the, the service and you connect with that godly part of you, then I yeah, I do want to fast on Yom Kippur. I do want to put on to fill and I do want to do the mitzvot. And that's not in a way of it's about me or because I get the pleasure from it, but actually because it's for, it's for God and therefore I get the pleasure for it. And therefore my hunger does not disturb me. Yeah. So like, why am I doing this to myself? You're not doing it to because yourself. Because we're, we're not identifying with that part of our, with the, with the body anymore. We're identifying with our godly soul. Yeah, it's like, Interesting. You're home on a given day, all alone, and it's time for lunch. What are you going to do? Making lunch is a burden. It's distasteful. So you meal I hate plan. it. Huh? So you meal plan one of the days of the week, and therefore you don't have to make it the rest of the week. No, no, or... You're going to open a jar, especially if you're a man. You'll open a jar, you'll, you'll eat some leftovers, or you won't eat at all. It's just, right? But somebody calls up and says, hi, can I come over for lunch? You'll cook up a storm. You'll go shopping, you'll buy some stuff. In other words, feeding somebody else is a pleasure. Feeding myself is a chore. And if I'm conscious of my health, becomes a bigger chore. <laughs> now I got to go shop in the health food store. So taking care of self can be very, can be very, 
limited, very stiff, very, very unnatural. Because I love eating lunch, but I also love being lazy. Now, what am I going to do? I'm always in conflict with myself. I want to diet, but I also want to eat the cake. So even if I manage to diet, I'm not happy. <laughs> At least half of me is not happy. The half that wants the cake. Or even, you know, you, you want your cake and eat it. I want to be married, but I want to be alone. <laughs> so half the time, my wife's presence is, is, is irritating. It's just, but once I'm serving somebody else who's coming over for lunch, it's a party. All of a sudden, it's fluid, it's exciting, it's pleasurable, no conflict. So that's what's called serving God. Literally, like making lunch for God. Of course, you get to eat too. <laughs> but if it was just you, it would be such a burden. I don't know. I, I think I get what you're go, going for, but I enjoy making no, no. Every self-improvement is also a sacrifice. Correct? You got to give up something, right? No gain, no pain, no gain. <laughs> Not necessarily. I mean, I, I used to th see go for that, but no, actually, that there's you. It doesn't have to be like pain, or, or if whether it's diet or exercise, or even the self improvement. Like, that's, well, that's I have never, model about I have the new approach is you're not. It's not about what you can't have, but what you, you know, what what can you have? What's an alternative? What's a that's half, your, that's half your brain. The other half says no. Like, I've never seen a happy jogger. <laughs> Have you ever? <laughs> I think you mentioned this last time, yeah. yeah. They're more serious than, than, than a guy davening on Yom Kippur. You know what I mean? <laughs> anyway, we need to liberate ourselves, not get deeper into ourselves. It leads to suicide. That's I mean, we know, of course, you know, uh, teenage girls will become anorexic because they have this image, you know, the self-image. So a girl refuses to eat and she's losing weight rapidly and her life is in danger, would you say she doesn't like herself? She loves herself way too much and then can't, can't live with herself because her reality is contradicting her expectations or her wishes. She wishes to be skinny and beautiful, and she's not. There's no self, there's no, there's no lack of self-love. It's all self-love. Like a very simple example. You have two girls standing side by side. They look exactly alike. They're the same weight, the same shape, the same size. Everything's perfect. One of them is anorexic. Right? You're so upset at your own uh, ugliness. The girl standing next to you is exactly the same. You find her ugly too? No, she's perfect. She's okay. I'm not okay. Why? Because she is not my problem. So whatever she looks like is fine. I don't care. But what I look like, oh, it's terrible. I must change. I must lose weight. I must make believe you're the other girl and stop worrying. <laughs> 
<laughs> Self-love is killing people. That's putting it very dramatically. Yeah. The the so the alternative to that is the selfish self-love. Yeah. The beauty and 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 the and the the naturalness of a person who can laugh at himself. That is so important. So you know the Torah says you have to humble yourself, be humble, be very humble. We misunderstood the translation is not good. And nevus doesn't mean humble, it means sense of humor. Mm. Have a sense of humor about yourself. I think that that's the real self-love. Or self-acceptance, where it doesn't demand any more love. I don't have to love myself, so I'm relaxed. And I don't need you to love me, so I'll make a joke about myself, and you can think whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. I think the same idea as a good self-image, yeah. high self-image. No. The best self-image is the self-image that you can ignore and forget about. A person who really doesn't care whether his image is high or low, that's a good self-image. And that's what really leads to more of authentic, fluid yes. approach. That allows you to be flexible. It allows you to be available to others, tolerant of others. Very interesting. That's a very healthy, uh, healthy approach to and purpose of mitzvahs. And if you apply it to eating, in some sense, apply it to eating, children get very particular, you know, very obsessive about the plate of food, what, which food, where you put it on the plate, how much of each, and did somebody touch it? Yes, I touched it. <laughs> you got to get kids to relax. It's food. You want to eat it? That's good. You want to throw it at your friends? Go right ahead. Don't make an issue. Too particular about food means too particular and rigid about yourself. So do you want the vanilla or the chocolate? Oh, what's the difference? No, 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 I gotta have the vanilla here. Uh, don't do that. I love this, Rabbi. When I when I bring a topic and and engage in conversation with you about it, I think I learn a whole new way of expressing similar ideas, similar ways of living, but just in a in a in a in a unique way. Like we're with like with the self love that we're talking about and the self care. How I would have how I would look at, you know, self love, you know, in a in a truly outwardly expressed helpful way. But when you when hearing it from you, you it's quite a finer emphasis on a certain words and how it's for you know it's it's not about the self. Even though it, even though the, the proper the service ends up leading to a better, if you will, self love. In the, the results in the, are yeah. yeah, the results are better for everybody. But self love can be very misunderstood and confusing. First of all, people who are convinced that they don't love themselves. That's already dangerous. Yeah. It's not true. Of course you love yourself. You just don't know how. It's powerful that that's it's exactly what we're going for. That mindset swift switch really just transforms, you know, how we live, how we live Torah, how we live Judaism, or even any other just living Torah, because that in, includes everybody. 
So I, I think it would be very nice for many reasons. When you meet somebody and you say, how are you? What, what answer would you like to hear? I often hear, Baruch Hashem. <laughs> say, how are you? And they start telling you their whole life story and say, no, no, wait, 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 I didn't mean that. <laughs> I don't want to hear all about your life. I have a friend, I have a friend who would say is, I think his aunt, whenever somebody, you know, they would ask, you know, how are you? She would ask somebody, how are you? And they would always, you know, people, and we say, Baruch Hashem, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. But she's like, what do you mean, Baruch Hashem? Tell me how you actually feel. <laughs> Good, yeah. if they do tell you, you don't want to hear it. <laughs> oh, I'm so miserable. Yesterday was so, oh God. <laughs> as, long so as, what... end, as long as we end with the thank God. Yeah. So really, what would be the right answer? So the most popular answer when I was growing up was, okay, how are you? Okay, I'm okay. In other words, nothing terrible, it's okay. But that changed. Now people say, I'm good. You're good? Whose opinion is that? <laughs> Let's take a let's take a vote on that one. <laughs> the, no. Our positive thinking. Uh, no. The right answer, maybe not the right words, but the right answer should be, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Um, what's the difference? People are people are gonna think we're like. Uh, Unless we say like whatever, <laughs> otherwise it's like what is this guy? He's just like he's got no life. So it's like saying you ask me how I am, and I say what's the difference? How are you? That's perfect. What's the point in talking about me? How are you? So does that mean you're okay? Yep. That means I'm okay because I don't need to talk about myself. Nice. That's how things will be when Mashiach comes. We can start doing that now. We don't have to wait. Because if you say, I'm good, that's a judgment. It's not completely comfortable. And you can feel it when people say, no, 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 I'm okay. And you see their brain saying, oh, maybe not, but I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> and you don't want to hear about it. And people say, I'm good. And you know, like you look at them for a second and all of a sudden it's like, I think I'm good. I'm pretty good. Uh, it could be better. <laughs> It's such a judgment that makes you so self-conscious. But, but in the positive, uh, I don't want to go on another tangent uh, coming close to the end, but on another light, like light, when we say, yeah, I'm good. Like somebody can also realize actually, yeah, everything is great. Good. Thank God. Which means it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's not a judgment. It's a dismissal. It's like, wow, what's not? There's no problem. But it's funny, if you ask somebody, would you like to have a hot drink? And they say, no, I'm good. <laughs> I didn't ask you for a judgment on yourself. I just asked you if you want a drink. <laughs> no, I'm good. Yeah, you can be good and still want a drink. You want a drink? <laughs> it's almost like any question I ask you, you're going to immediately judge yourself? Stop it. <laughs> Right. Well, well, thank you, Rabbi, for the one, one final thought. I ask you how you are, and you feel attacked. What do you mean? What do you mean? I'm okay. I'm good. <laughs> I didn't mean. I didn't mean that. I, I, <laughs> I wasn't putting you on the defensive. Please don't. So we're 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 hyper. I mean, this is not a secret. We are hypersensitive these days. And that's why a microaggression can destroy our day.
we're so hyper alert. Like, are you judging me? Why'd you ask me that? Hey, relax. I just want to know if you want a drink. <laughs> you don't have to justify your existence. Anyway, a so sense of you. What's the best way to respond? How are you? What's the best way to respond? Never mind. How are you? <laughs> and that's, I think, what Baruch Hashem means. Baruch Hashem means what's whatever it is, it's okay. It's not a judgment. No, that's what I, I think when I, I I commented to you one time about that. You know, I have to hear like Baruch Hashem, but somebody seems like they're not doing well. But then I realized when we say Baruch Hashem, it's like, you know, either, yeah, maybe I'm at a point in my life where things are going well, Baruch, thank God. But even if I'm not at a point where things on the surface don't seem so well, maybe I'm experiencing some pain. Saying Baruch Hashem is in a way not resisting whatever it is. And therefore it's, never mind, how are you? So I, I, I do like that a lot. Never mind, what does it matter if I like it or not? <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, it's pleasure. been a pleasure. Thank you very much for tuning in and listening. I hope this episode brought you some really great value. If you enjoyed any of these episodes or would like to hear more, please leave me a review on Apple or Anchor Podcast. I'm always looking out for topics to learn and talk about, gifts to share, and value to bring to us all. For more updates, please check out SolomonEzra.com. That's S-O-L-O-M-O-N-E-Z-R-A. That's where you can also sign up for newsletters, read about blogs, and hear my different podcasts. Take care.